um, the chairperson of the audit committee of the audit general, um, colleagues. Um, we we yeah, meet here today um, under normal circumstance um, in relation to our physical nature of uh, holding these uh, meetings. After a long time, um, we have been on virtual, and and uh, yeah, we we hope that uh, a such interaction is going to uh, somewhat assist us in terms of um, looking into the matters uh, in front of us. Uh, in uh, welcoming uh, the office of the Auditor General and and the uh, committee that uh, handles uh, matters uh, of the uh, audit in the entirety of uh, ensuring uh, compliance and neatness, um, I, I wish to then welcome the chairperson of the audit committee. Uh, colleagues, as you would uh, know, uh, in terms of the agenda in front of us, uh, it's a, a, a day where we meet to receive a briefing uh, from the Office of the Auditor General after um, uh, uh, we had uh, the initial uh, a brief uh, a note on what has occurred um, uh, in the past a few months. Uh, we appreciated the fact that the uh, AG uh, took it upon uh, herself and the, uh, the AG uh, to raise the matters uh, that affect the office with us uh, without any uh, cohesive uh, instance. Uh, we appreciated uh, when they did so, uh, when we um, had our, our workshop in Pretoria at their head office. Uh, it's unusual, um, but as we took it at the time, uh, it, it really ought to be appreciated because it is in the nature of the office itself uh, to uphold um, the ethical standards, and uh, areas of good governance. Uh, today, we are going to be exposed into the finality of the report which they promised us on the day, and and um, uh, probably the areas that they uh, have to adopt uh, going forward as informed by uh, that independent report that they promised uh, when they gave us that uh, briefing. Um, the meeting that we have uh, is taking the nature uh, of uh, receiving that uh, a kind of a briefing. I read uh, the documentation that they have forwarded to us, and and uh, I really, um, in appreciation, uh, took time to get into the detail of uh, such reports. Uh, it's, 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 it's really in a limited sense that you'd find institutions who would forward uh, uh, reports of that nature without being asked to, um, uh, to do so. Something which I think uh, we learn as going forward, uh, that, that uh, true uh, repute uh, of, of, of the uh, standing of the Office of the Auditor General 
um, uh, such such instances ought to be encouraged. Um, uh, overall, they they stand above uh, uh, even uh, in such a manner of transparency and modelled uh, around the standing uh, of the office uh, in terms of the constitution of the Republic of South Africa. So, so, so upfront, um, that's, that's, that's something one, um, has, has noted. And then the matters which are, uh, of a detail, uh, in, in the context, uh, would be dealt with uh, in terms of the reporting, uh, going, uh, into the detail of such. So in appreciation, uh, we really, uh, seek, uh, to, uh, say that, uh, Recording standing, in progress. Your standing has been confirmed um, through such occurrences. Uh, uh, we were, um, I'm excited to, uh, that you um, exhibit uh, that uh, level of utterance into good governance and, and the ethical uh, conduct. Um, we stand to welcome uh, all those present and those who will be uh, or are joining us uh, through uh, Zoom uh, in this meeting, and and uh, those who have apologized is uh, Honourable Mlenzana uh, with uh, bereavement, um, and and uh, uh, Mr. Peter Paul uh, has as well indicated uh, uh, his. Uh, Presence, balance, absence. Um, he is on his way out. Um, he he has uh, just been uh, with excitement uh, received scholarship uh, to study abroad, um, and and uh, as you would know that the the, the studies uh, actually. Uh, would have to be registered and start uh, between the month of September, October. Um, so, so uh, he's finalizing uh, his uh, presence um, in the employ of Parliament, and and he's going to focus uh, on improving um, his uh, capacity and uh, abroad uh, on the studies that of choice uh, in terms of his own growth. Um, we stand to congratulate him for such. He's uh, still young, uh, has got a lot of opportunity, and we know that uh, such opportunities at uh, their entry require um, a, a strength in terms of education. So we wish him all the best. Um, and, and indeed, he would uh, get back into the country and plow um, uh, his own expertise uh, in, in the relevance of his uh, studies. Uh, I hope that let me just have that uh, uh, indication in appreciation of his work uh, having been with us. And, and I hope we'll learn more uh, in that uh, 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 area. All the best. Um, in, in the agenda... Uh, has been sent to uh, to us as as I've said uh, uh, that uh, the nature of the meeting 
is uh, assuming a, a briefing, uh, which uh, if if uh, we have read the uh, actual uh, legal uh, investigative report, uh, which the Office of the Auditor General has uh, referred to us, and if you have read the Public um, uh, Audit Act, uh, you would uh, find out that uh, the matters uh, uh, generally uh, are, are matters which are are within uh, the realm of uh, the office uh, uh, itself, and and uh, us as our role um, to um, ensure and guarantee the independence of the office, and to strengthen that office and to protect that office. Uh, we. Um, have to receive uh, these uh, kinds uh, of uh, reports through engagements and determine uh, uh, through oversight uh, whether the office is still on track uh, or not and uh, work together uh, to frame a better way forward uh, in dealing with matters which are confronting the office. And and, uh, we felt that the sensitivity uh, of uh, such um, areas would require us to meet this way so that we can have uh, direct engagement, uh, which we do appreciate uh, that the office should make this trip and be with us here in uh, Parliament. We are going to um, briefly... As per the agenda, if there are any other things, uh, colleagues, if you would want to raise uh, on the adoption of the agenda, and then uh, we uh, give over to the Auditor General. After that, the DAG, and after the DAG, we give over to the chairperson of the uh, Audit Committee, uh, and then we'll have uh, then our deliberations thereafter. Uh, if that is the case, can we continue? Morning, Chair. Morning, AG. Yeah, thank you, Chair. No, I think the agenda is fine. Uh, as such, I'll propose that we adopt it as presented. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Florian. Thank you, Chair. I second that. Thank you so much. Um, the, uh, AG. Thank you very much, Honourable Chairperson. Uh, good morning to the Honourable Members and to yourself, Honourable Chair. I'd like to greet those that are present physically and those that are uh, on the virtual platform. Um, thank you very much for this opportunity to update you on the developments following my briefing to you the last time we met physically in this way. Uh, in the engagement last month, I committed that in the interests of transparency and accountability, we will present the outcome of the investigation or legal review that we had instituted as part of dealing with what was an internal matter. Honourable members, I come before you today because I believe that to restore and defend our democracy and public institutions, we need to promote accountability by adhering to and respecting due process and transparency. As a Chapter 9 institution, we have a duty to serve the people of South Africa and to do so with integrity and accountability. And this meeting is underpinned by that. We are all ultimately accountable to the values and the spirit of the Constitution. 
As you may recall, I did recount to you when we met that a few months ago, a member of my executive team, uh, the chief people officer, asked for a meeting, which I granted. We met in my private boardroom, which is adjacent to my private office. And this was late in the afternoon of Monday, 27th of June, 2022. He indicated that he felt aggrieved by how I had expressed myself when holding him accountable for his performance, and he wanted to understand how we had got there. I offered my apology for hurting his feelings, as that was certainly not my intention. I asserted my view that his performance and that of his team must urgently improve, and I reminded him of previous conversations in which I had raised performance issues with him. In that same meeting, he announced that because I had hurt him, he could also hurt me. At this point, he produced a paper in which he accused me of unprofessional, unethical, and corrupt conduct. This piece of paper set out nine bullet points of decisions dating back from 2014 up to 2021. Now, this period covers my tenure as Deputy AG and includes the initial period of my tenure as the Auditor General. Mr. Mabaso, who was, who was the CPO, reiterated multiple times in this meeting that in his view, these transactions and decisions that I had taken were corrupt, unethical, and unprofessional. And he asserted that if they were to be made public, that would hurt my reputation. He requested that we agree on a separation with a financial settlement so that he could leave the institution. My immediate response was that I would not entertain any discussion on a financial settlement. I said to him that he should do his job in accordance with his employment contract and that if he no longer wanted this job, he should resign. In that moment, I was very clear that I would not be intimidated. I would not be threatened and I would not be blackmailed from holding an executive accountable for performing on his duties. This is not how we do things. There are standard procedures through which staff or the public can raise any good faith concerns about my decision making or any concerns regarding the office that I lead. As an audit office, we take threats and intimidation very seriously, as the honorable members know, irrespective of who is making them or their level of seniority. In this instance, I took the threat to hurt me seriously. More importantly, I took these allegations seriously especially given the nature of the role that I hold as the Auditor General. Given the nature of these allegations that were raised and the manner in which they reached me, I immediately reported the incident to the Deputy Auditor General as the head of administration, the accounting officer for the institution. And I asked him in his capacity as the accounting officer to institute independent processes to look at both the accusations made against me and the conduct of the CPO. Even though, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, these, mem these matters relate to operational issues within the ambit of the DAG's responsibility and authority, I was clear that the responsible thing for me to do was to proactively bring these matters to your attention as the members of SCOAG. I was also proactive in briefing the internal executive team, as well as our established governance structures, specifically the Independent Audit Committee, and the Remuneration Committee. I understand the importance of my role to safeguard and support our democracy. Therefore, I cannot have such allegations being made against the Auditor General and leave them without being 
examinated, investigated, and brought to a conclusion. I also appreciate that my role is to hold public officials accountable, and as such, I must equally expect to be held to the very same standards or even better. Furthermore, I'm clear that I cannot allow myself to be intimidated or threatened from doing my job, be it as the auditor of the public sector or as the leader of the AGSA as an institution. It is against this background that I took the proactive step to have these allegations subjected to a swift and independent review. I need to be clear. As the Honorable Chairperson has said in his introduction, we have been extremely transparent with our staff and with our oversight bodies about this matter right from the very beginning. In my view, no one should be above the rules. Every institution receives complaints and accusations from time to time, but we must use the rules to deal with such matters learn from the experiences that arise when we have matters such as these raised and continually seek to improve and strengthen institutions. As we said in the announcement we made public as the AGSA just two weeks ago, we said that in order to strengthen the systems of integrity, transparency, accountability and performance in public institutions, we must hold ourselves as the AGSA to the same standards or better yet, we must lead by example. And I believe that I led by example in demonstrating that no one is above the rules. Honourable members, in each of these decisions that are the subject of these allegations and the subsequent legal review, I confirm that in exercising my authority, I applied my mind, I consulted as necessary, I carefully considered my responsibilities to build and to sustain the capability that the office required in that moment, but also as far as I could see into the foreseeable future. I'd like, now like to hand over to the Deputy AG. Um, he will present the details of the independent legal review on the allegations leveled against me. And after his presentation, the Chairman of the Audit Committee will deliver a report of the Independent Audit Committee of the AGSA, which is a key part of the existing governance arrangements for the AGSA. And their role is set out, as you know, in Section 40 of the Public Audit Act. DAG. Okay. I want you, DAG. Thank you, AG, and good morning, Honorable Chair, good morning, Honorable Members, and good morning to my committee chair, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's a pleasure and a privilege, Chair, for me to come and give you an update since the last time that we met. Just to ensure that we are all on the same page, I will recap on some of the brief um, background to this matter so I can then uh, take the committee through the detailed report. The report was shared with the members, and I do hope that you have had a chance to browse through. I do appreciate that it's a fairly lengthy report. I will highlight some of the aspects that are coming out of that. As AG have mentioned, on the 27th of June, she had a meeting with the CPO, Mr. Lou Mabas. That meeting was, I was the catalyst for that meeting. He had asked me... You're a bit softer. It's just to make... Okay. Uh, that meeting, Chair, I was a catalyst that enabled that meeting to happen. In my one-on-one with Mr. Mabasa, he have informed me that he's trying to get a meeting with the AG, and I asked her to clear her diary for that meeting. The way that things happened are unfortunate. Uh, it would have been better to have resolved the things in a different manner. What I'm going to present to you is the event that since happened from the 27th of June. 
After the meeting, AG called me and informed me about the outcome of that particular meeting, which, as I mentioned, I asked her to grant Mr. Mabasa that particular meeting. She informed me about the allegations that we made against them, the nine particular ones, which I'm going to take the committee through the legal opinion as to the legality of those particular transactions. She asked me to undertake a special investigation to assess it. Her exact words to me was, I need to know if I've erred so we can take the appropriate action. She made it clear that if there's anything that she have made or done wrong, she would like us to correct it. She gave me the freedom to go ahead and commission an independent investigation that was undertaken on my behalf by Bowman's, a law firm, independent law firm. So I made a stage chair since last time we met. It was still a briefing. But at this stage, I do have the final report, which I've issued to you. There are still other linked processes that are happening, uh, which I'll update the committee about. So, Chair, when you look into the um, allegations, I think a fundamental issue which I want to address before I go to the detailed presentation is, and if a senior executive of my team does not understand the importance of having an auditor general that is independent for the benefit of everyone in the room, but also other people who may not un- understand this. I want to spend some time just talking to the expectation that we have as an office and our responsibility and also that of SCOWEC as our oversight body. I will only make this one reference to the report and then I'll take you through the presentation that we have shared with you. So if you go to the detailed report, uh, those who have got it in, it in front of you, on para 79 of the report, the legal opinion was clear in terms of categorizing the aspect where the, where SCOWEC needs, where we need prior approval of SCOWEC and in areas, um, that we need to consult with you and in areas where we need to report to you. It's in the detailed report that we have shared with you. And, and it's on page, uh, 27 of that. There's no need to go to it. I'll summarize it. You can go back and look into it. I'm just saying this because I think, Chair, you properly captured this in your opening remarks. But if my senior executive member does not understand this, I think a lot of our other people may not appreciate it. So I need to just recap on that. Because most of the transactions that were mentioned, it was that AG, when she was DAG, did not consult with you. So I think it's important to just, just get that principle right. So on that particular paragraph, Chair, paragraph 79, the legal opinion clearly established the SCOWEC's powers and rights and also the duties of AGSA in respect of SCOWEC under the Public Auditors Act. Specifically, Chair, you will recall that whenever we need to uh, retain any surplus after our year-end process, we come to you for approval. Mm-hmm. So that's where we need your prior approval. Mm-hmm. In some instances, we need to consult with you. Mm-hmm. In the in the report, there are specific areas which are mentioned. The area that we need to consult with you is with the issuing of our code of conduct. Secondly, is with the, the audit standard. Thirdly, is um, with the fees that we charge, the basis of the fees that we charge. And also, uh, prior to the appointment of the DAG, and since I'm recently appointed, I remember the process that A.G. Takani went through last year to consult with you prior to appointing me. 
And lastly, if there are any changes that needs to go to the National Assembly. So those are instances that we need to consult with you. And this chair, it was created to allow the AG to be independent and only account to the constitution. So I think it was important to just recap on that so that it is clear in terms of most of these allegations that most of them is saying there was no consultation, which means in order for us to do the work, we don't need to necessarily consult with you. You're an oversight body, so we need to come and account to you. In para 18, just to summarize the various aspects, it says, AGSA or the AG's duty to consult score work is therefore limited to the relevant section listed above. It should be noted that some of these provisions deal with AGSA powers after consultation with SCOEC and not in consultation with SCOEC. The letter will have implied that SCOEC's approval was required, which in terms of the reference section is not the case. SCOEC does not have the authority to authorize operational transactions, as this will compromise its oversight role as envisaged in Section 55, Subsection 2 of the Constitution. And the opinion goes on to list uh, additional uh, constitutional court judgment. I wanted to emphasize this because I don't want to come to keep coming back to it in terms of did we have to consult with you, but just set it out as a fundamental principle of how the office of, of the Auditor General was created to be independent. Mm-hmm. And that is very important to be able to uh, conduct her work without fear and favor uh, of favor. It's important that we maintain that. So, Chen, I would like to just take you through the the presentation. I think it's a summary. If there's any area where we need to go back to the detailed report, I will make reference uh, as such. But it is a lengthy report, and I I had the benefit of engaging with my audit committee chair and the members uh, over the past few days on this report. I had the benefit of engaging with uh, with the author of the opinion to take me through these things, and I will indicate to you the steps that we're going to take going forward. I will share with you what the opinion is as uh, currently uh, presented and where there are areas for us to improve. We are going to improve on that. Chair, you will know from our previous engagement with us and the audit committee chair will confirm that that we don't assume that we are perfect, but in areas where there are things we can improve on, we do improve on that. And I know the other time we spoke to you, you had concerns about our IT control environment. I'm glad that when it come to you in November, the audit committee will give you a good story about the effort we have made to address those concerns. And in this report, Chen, there will be areas for us to improve. And as an institution that is um, that is keen to learn, we are going to improve. Adil, if you can move to the next slide, please. So, Chen, I've tried to summarize the issues that come to there, but I think it's important to just recap. So, the summary from the report is that the Constitution requires the National Assembly to provide a mechanism to hold Chapter 9 institution to account. And SCOEC specifically is that body that is um, holding the Office of the Auditor General to account, and that is based on Section 55, Subsection 2, B, Roman Figure 2, read jointly with the Public Auditors Act 10. Chem. I'm referring this because we need to reconfirm the fundamental rule of law that bides us and what, and which we, and which we comply to. So in terms of the section two, it states that to provide for an oversight mechanism over us, 
your role as COWEC is firstly to assist and protect the Auditor General in order to ensure the independence, impartiality, dignity, and effectiveness of the Auditor General. And secondly, to advise the National Assembly. So, Chen, the SCOEC's role in this is twofold, is to hold the AG accountable and to assist and protect us. I'd like to remind the committee about the need to ensure the independence of the AG. And the way that the structures were created was to ensure that the AG is able to conduct the work in an independent manner. Adil, next slide, please. So, Chair, just to recap on the SCOEC role around the salaries, allowance, and the benefit of the AG, which is, um, you will recall that there were amendments that happened. So there was a dispensation uh, prior to 1st of April 2019 before the amendments came into place. And subsection uh, section 7 of the PAA uh, subsection 1 was clear that prior to the changes, SCOEC was expected to consult with the person recommended for the appointment as AG and make recommendation to the president for the determination of the conditions of employment and that person including an appropriate salary, allowance and other benefits. And the report goes into details as to what happened in this case as far as um, um, that process was concerned for late AG Maguid. Post um, since 1st April, uh, the AG is entitled to such salaries, allowance, and benefits as determined by the president after taking into consideration the recommendation of the independent commission and approved by the National Assembly. The independent commission must consult Remco and the Minister of Finance. It's still the same section. However, there was an amendment to the PAA at the time that we're given the additional powers. I'm, I'm reminding the committee about this because some of the transactions that I mentioned happened in 2017 and 2018. So it will be important to recall as to what was the dispensation that was applicable at that stage. Chair. As mentioned uh, in the opening remarks by the AG, she had raised uh, concerns about non-performance with the CPO on a number of occasions. The one I want to emphasize here, which is something that's going to take us years to rectify, is, you know, we rely on our training accountants to do our audit. One particular instance that happened this year is we hired over 400 training accountants. Most of those people, over 50% of them, did not have CTA, which is the honors equivalent that allows you to go and write your board exam. At this stage, Chen, we are busy with our MFMA. Half of those people are not available because they are busy preparing to write their final exams. So while we are committed as an office to transform the accounting profession by giving people an opportunity that do not necessarily have it. It's also important to understand our operational requirement in making this decision. And for us to have gone ahead and appointed so many people, it's going to affect us significantly in terms of us being able to conduct our audit. I've shared with you in the past that it's even worse from a financial perspective because MFMA, most of our auditees are not in a position to pay us. So if we don't have our people, we are forced to go and use the CWC firms, the private firms. And if we don't get paid by the auditees, we have to use our other reserves to pay these audit firms. So it was a fundamental concern. It was a concern because AG, when she was DAG with her exco, they had made a strategic decision that we need to get the right balance in terms of the trainees who have got CTA 
to re- to respond to our operational requirement. There are other aspects, but that's one. So that particular error chain, while we're giving our people the best support this year, if most of them don't pass, we're going to have the same problem next year until they go to our system. Our hope as an office and the steps we have taken is to give them the best support that we can so that they can pass and they'll be available for us next year. However, it's a decision that should have been taken in consultation with myself and also with AG without us finding us and we have this situation. It's just one of the examples, Chair, in terms of the concerns that are being raised. And I do agree with those concerns because it does make sense that we should have been properly consulted. So as part of the engagement that um, AG had with the people's portfolio, it triggers a number of events uh, which you have shared with us, um, which I've mentioned in my opening remarks that the CPO then asked for a meeting, which was granted for the 27th of June, where he presented the allegation uh, because he felt that she's been hurt um, based on the, um, her having shared her concerns. Chair, just to clarify, when she shared the concern, it was in a meeting with senior management, people who are involved in implementing the strategy of the people's portfolio. And I was in that meeting. And in that meeting, like I've mentioned, they asked for a mutual separation and indicated that if she doesn't agree, he's got the ability to hurt her. I've had the benefit of studying the report, Chair, and applying my mind in terms of these allegations. But before I give you my personal assessment of the overall thing, I want to take you through the factual uh, legal opinion as presented. So what we have done was to ask Bowmans to conduct an investigation on the threats against the AG in terms of the legality thereof. We also ask uh, Bowmans to conduct an an investigation on the conduct of the CPO. They came back to us and they advised that to conduct the investigation without any hindrance, it's important that we suspend the CPO. So the CPO was suspended. And based on the report which they've given me for the legal matter, the, the disciplinary hearing is scheduled for next week. And I will allow the process to take its course and I will not um, spend too much time on that part just to to update the committee on that. However, today we are at the stage where we can brief the committee regarding the outcome of the legality on the decisions that were made by the AG when she was the AG and some of them when she was AG. So the remainder of this presentation chair will focus on the legality of the opinion and not deal with the disciplinary matters. Adil? So just to give context to the process that was followed in terms of this chair is that the complaint or the allegation against the AG are dealt with in terms of our own complaints policy and procedures, which were last updated in June 2021. There are various categories. If there are allegations against the AG chair, these are classified as category four. And the procedure that is supposed to happen is if there is that particular complaint against the AG, it goes through our whistleblowing um, mechanism, which is managed by our risk and ethics uh, business unit. The business unit leader will inform me in consultation with the chief risk officer about any allegation against the AG. It is my responsibility to inform you, chair, as the chair of SCOEC, within seven days. And then SCOEC will then take over and uh, take the next steps going forward. I need to emphasize, Chair, that the manner in which the CPO submitted the allegation did not follow that process. 
she went straight to the AG. As such, this does not fall within this particular framework that we have to do. By submitting them directly to the AG and ask for a financial settlement, it was not in the form that we anticipated. Hence, I did not treat this as allegation. Throughout the process, Chair, I kept you updated as the Chair of Scorework on the steps that we were taking, and I'm comfortable that we have taken the right steps given the circumstances. AG brought the allegations to me as threat, and she asked us to go and find a legal opinion or advice whether she have had and I'll take the committee of the outcome thereof. Adil, next part, please. The next part, Chair, that is a responsible organization we have to look into, which I need to advise the committee about, is whether this submission, as it was done by the CPO, is under the Protected Disclosure Act. The external legal team advised me that when the CPO provided this particular um document to the AG, they have to test whether it's it's covered under the Protected Disclosure Act. They look into these three provisions, Chen. When, when you look into the disclosure being made to an employer, the disclosure must be made within the policy established by the employer. I've just outlined to the committee the policy that we use internally. This particular complaint did not follow that particular process. It was um, issued directly to the AG, and when I conclude, I will be able to share with the committee that I think it was used to threaten her that if she doesn't comply to the expectation, she will, her reputation will be damaged. It must also be done in good faith with intention to investigate within mandate. And since there was um, an expectation for a mutual settlement, uh, this does not meet that requirement. And lastly, it should not be made for personal gain. I believe that, and the opinion says that, um, this particular allegation seems to have been made with an intention of uh, soliciting a separation um, with the AG, which will have resulted in financial gain. Therefore, the opinion I've received and I agree with is that um, the CPO submission to the AG does not meet any of the uh, protected disclosure requirement. Therefore, the submission is not protected disclosure. I did. So, Chen, now I'll deal with the various uh, allegations, and, I, and, and here I've summarized them. So there are various allegations that relate to transactions that AG, when she was still DAG, she approved regarding the late um, AG Kimima Kwetu. This covered salary allowances and benefit for the former AG. And while the committee have read the report, I would like to repeat them for the record, Chen. So the first allegation was, in April of 2014, Ms. Manuleke, um, as the AG then, approved relocation costs for AG Makwete to the value of 575000 which it, which in reality was, trans, was a transfer and bond cost for his new house. I'll just go through the list here, and then I'll go to the opinions later. And the other one, we've grouped them together, but they were shown as two separate transactions that in 2017, Miss um, Manuleke, when she was still DAG, she approved a salary increase of AG Makwetu. Similarly, the following year in 2018, she approved a salary increase of uh, AG Makwetu, which was above what was independent, what, what the independent remuneration commission recommended for public office bearers. The other allegation chair was that in November 2018, Ms. Maluleke, when she was still DAG, approved 
860,000 advance for Eji Makwetu against his deferred compensation without your approval. And you remember, Chair, that I've spoken about where we need approval from your side. Then there were other categories that relates to the recruitment, selection, and appointment of key personnel. The specific allegation here, Chair, was that in June 2021, when she was now AG, uh, Ms. Maluleke appointed Ms. Boingingoma to the role of head of audit without following a proper recruitment procedure. Ms. Ngoma did not apply for the position and she did not meet the minimum qualification of, for the position. The other one was with regard to Mr. Suelis Hua for the, in June 2021, where the allegation is that AG appointed him to the role of chief risk officer without following proper recruitment procedure. Mr. Suhua did not apply for the position. That was the allegation. The other one in this cluster chair was in December 2020, the AG appointed Mr. Harold Maloka to the role of business unit leader for communication. Mr. Maloka did not meet the minimum qualification as per the job advertisement. Then lastly, within the category of supply chain management is that in May 2021, the AG attempted to influence the CPO to appoint her personal coach to assist with the institution's leadership alignment program. I will now deal with the opinion as um, as it contains to the facts here. Uh, Adil, just continue. But before that, let's just um, deal with some of the aspects that came through the overall report before dealing with the specific allegation. Section 219, subsection 5 of the Constitution state that the national legislation must establish a framework for the salary, allowance, and benefit of the AG. And Section 7 of the Public Auditors Act Prior to the amendments I mentioned that happened in 2019, SCOEC uh, was supposed to consult uh, with the person recommended for the appointment of AG and make recommendation to the president for the determination of the conditions of employment of that person, including an appropriate salary allowance and other benefits. In the case of AG Makwetu, SCOEC only made a recommendation in respect of salary and termination bonus in line with that of the Chief Justice. Squawk made no recommendation on allowance and benefits. The law was silent of the position when a recommendation or determination was made. The DAG as accounting officer in these circumstances had an implied duty and authority to provide for the allowances and benefit for the AG. AG Makwetu, during his tenure, he signed a document which was titled Remuneration and Conditions of Employment for AG to close this vacuum, which provided for some certainty. We're going to refer further on, on, this, on to this document, Chair, as the conditions document. The conditions document regulated various conditions such as leave, office vehicle, access to his Cape Town accommodation, etc. Things that were not dealt with in the document that was used by the president to appoint uh, Mr. Uh, late AG Makwetu. Where this document was silent, normal AGSA policies would apply. And the opinion goes at length to explain that while the AG is not mentioned as an employee, the fact that the AG is paid and employ their services for the benefit of the AGSA, uh, we can understand that the AGSA policies will apply in that case. Adil? Chair, I will now deal with with the specific allegations. Mm I will start with the one for the security cost. In April 2014, um, 
Miss Maluleke, when she was still the AG, approved the relocation cost for AG Makwedi to the value of 575358 which in reality was transfer and bond costs for his new house. You will notice that in the opinion, though it went at length to explain the responsibility of the office to secure the AG, to be able for the AG to conduct his or her work without fear or favor and to be independent. And it is the opinion that says that the AG's appointment increased his security risk. The report indicated that, and we all know that before AG Marquit was appointed, he was the AG. And after being uh, appointed, uh, he felt that he needed to move from a standalone house into a secure complex. The opinion made it clear that while you might have called it the relocation cost, this was cost incurred to secure the AG. And as an office, we do have a responsibility to secure uh, the AG. There was no determination on security arrangement made by the president. As such, it was within the right of the DAG to make an assessment as to what needs to be done as far as securing the AG was concerned. The DAG formally approved the deviation. She consulted with the Remco chair and an approval was given. The annual audit did not identify any discrepancy as far as this particular transaction was concerned. Chair, the overall opinion is very clear that the move from one home to another was a security requirement, not a relocation. While this might have been referred as a relocation, the essence of the matter is that this was a security requirement to, to secure the then AG and was directly linked to his appointment to the office of the Auditor General. The approval of the expenses was lawful and did not indicate corrupt, unethical, and unprofessional behavior. Adil, let's move to the next one. Regarding the salary increases, Chair, I will deal with them together because they're all similar. In 2017 and 2018, Ms. Maluleke, when she was still DAG, she approved the salary increase of AG Makwetu that were not, ab- that were above what the Independent Remuneration Commission recommended to public office bearers. You will recall earlier on, I mentioned when uh, the PAU was changed, um, it was only effective from 2019. So the commission had no power to make a recommendation in 2017 or 2018. The independent remuneration commission, uh, recommendation only applies to the AG from 1st of April 2019 onwards and, and when it was, um, amended. AGSA total rewards chain, uh, does not provide for the AG salary increase. And the AG conditions document, which I referred to earlier, which was signed by AG to close the gap that was there between the appointment and to regularize its allowance. Uh, it does, it did propose at that stage that we're going to make adjustment in line with the commission. So I just need to make it clear. While the commission was not applicable, we had selected as an office to be guided by their recommendation. The AG had authority to deviate from the total rewards policy, though, because it was a recommendation. The AG considered the performance of the office, the AG's fund, and it's, it is important to note that the AG is paid from the, from the AGSA coffers and not from the national budget. And in making the decision, she considered the increases to staff and this was properly documented and the deviation from the recommendation was justified by the reasons that were given in that case. Um, she only had to demonstrate that she acted reasonable and rational. And Chen, 
I'm glad that uh, the CPO in this case was very diligent in recommending to the then DAG, Mr. Ganemaluleke, this rationale. And the, and the legal opinion indicate that it made sense. So the opinion uh, concluded that DAG's deviation from, from policy was lawful and the approval of salary increases was reasonable and rational. The commission had no jurisdiction at the time and there was no legal duty to obtain approval from SCOWEC. The DAG's actions were not corrupt, unethical, or unprofessional. That deals with the salary increase chain. Adil, please. Coming to the interest-free loan chair of 816, the allegation says in November 2018, Ms. Maluleke SDAG approved an advance of 860000 for AG to against his deferred compensation without SCOREC's approval. The DAG understood that deferred compensation will only become due in November 2020 when the term of the AGs come to an end. She approved the granting of the interest-free loan based on the following. And she have shared this particular rationale with the Remco chair who agreed with her in that basis that the amount was insignificant and did not depart from conditions of service. Secondly, the amount did not pose a risk to the AGSA as the deferred compensation offered collateral. Thirdly, the amount was recoverable. And lastly, there will be no impact on the AGSA resources over the remaining two years. Chen, before granting this particular um, uh, loan, there was a legal opinion that was um, that the office got regarding the implication of the of granting the tax free loan to the then AG and also deal with the uh, benefits thereof. The Remco chair, as I mentioned, was properly consulted and supported the idea. And this particular payment chair was properly disclosed in our annual financial statement as an interest-free loan, and the deferred compensation was collateral to ensure recoverability. So the opinion here, chair, is that while it might have been called an advance, the financial statement were very clear. This was an interest-free loan, and giving in, and giving a loan is within the DAG's mandate. The deferred benefit was used as collateral. So the opinion says the DAG acted lawfully and rational. No scorework approval was required. The approval does not amount to corrupt and ethical and unprofessional behavior. So, Chair, this is talked to the overall scorework approval. And I'd like to pause here because of the transactions that I've mentioned so far, and the ones that I'm going to continue, the people that were implicated are able to talk to those uh, particular transactions. This one, especially because it was a request from A.G. Makwetun, and as we know, he's not in a position to present his side of the story. I do think that I need to pause and just give my personal perspective in this case. We all know that A.G. Makwetun could not finish his term in office. He passed away just a few days before his term came to an end. And we all know now something that he had kept to himself, that he had cancer. While we may not know the exact reason that he needed this advance, when I look into the circumstances and the timing, I do think that his illness that he have kept away from the office and continued executing his responsibility as Order General might have had to do with this particular advance. He cannot speak for himself. I can only just articulate.
I do know that the committee may ask someone in his position who is fully remunerated, why would he want an advance uh, or as an interest-free loan? I cannot pinpoint what it is. I can only speculate that his unfortunate battle with cancer might have affected his financial resources. And, and I do think it's unfortunate that in the fallout between the CPO and the AG, some of these transactions are, are springing people memories into disrepute. We have really served our organization, first of all, but also the Republic with distinction. And um, I, I did please let's proceed to the next one. Okay. So Chair, while they go to the next one, which talks to them to the interest. It helps to always have a backup of a printed uh, document <laughs> in case there's a, there's a glitch with technology. So on the interest, Chen, um, the allegation state that um, in December 2020, this was after A.G. Makuti passed away, and by this time, uh, Mr. Ken was now A.G., approved the payment of interest on A.G. Makuetu's deferred compensation to Mrs. Makuetu without SCOEX approval. That was the allegation. The investigation found that A.G. initially agreed to pay a simple interest to settle a dispute with Mrs. Makuetu in December 2020. However, the simple interest offer was not accepted by the family. The investigation, though, found that subsequent to that, the interests were paid in July 2021. And this period chair is of interest to me because I was already DAG at that stage and I did not authorize this particular transaction. We still uh, understanding as to how it got paid. And it was, however, paid to the deceased estate of late AG Magwit. The AGSA, we are still investigating this matter to take appropriate action. Like I mentioned, this was done when I was now DAG. And um, my understanding is that AG had approved it to be paid in December the prior year. And she did, though, um, ask the office to deal with the matters to settle the, any outstanding payment that we do to late AG Makwit. And this was made as part of that overall payment. Um, Chair, moving on to the ones regarding the appointments. On the appointment in June 2021, the AG appointed Mrs. Bongingoma to the role of head of audit without following a proper recruitment procedure. Ms. Ngoma did not apply for the position and she did not meet the minimum qualification of the position. Um, Chair, this is also a process that I was part of. This is the process that led to me being appointed as the AG. The timing of these two, given that we're doing a restructuring, happened at the same time. So the role of appointing the head of audit and the role of appointing the DAG were running concurrently. Uh, Ms. Ngoma applied for the role of uh, DAG. She was the only internal candidate who made it to the second round. And she continued on that. And the, the opinion confirmed that 
she does have a CA qualification. And in terms of the tenure that she's got as an executive, she's got over 15 years experience as per the requirement. So the legal opinion found that, um, she met the qualification and experience that was required for this job. She also met the requirement waiver requirement. And so internally, the AG could make decisions in terms of the waiver. However, the waiver was not properly documented. This is something that should have been done by the CPO. You will notice in your report that there is engagement with the CPO regarding this matter. My own view, the EHA, is that you cannot expect someone who's running for a more senior role to concurrently apply for a junior role because the head of audit is slightly junior compared to a DAG. And since she was still in the running, she was focusing on that particular role. AG, in her response, and you will see it in the detailed report, she does indicate the rationale that she applied in terms of reappointing people. I'm emphasizing this because it's going to deal with the next issue as well. I'd like to remind the committee that this happened at the time when we were restructuring the office. So the role of head of office was new. Sorry, head of audit was new and the various positions. So it was necessary for AG to apply her mind, which is in line with succession planning and our policies to allow that. So this was not in any way deemed to be corrupt, unethical and unprofessional. And I like to emphasize that because people's reputation has been tarnished. When we came to you last year, we're bringing that uh, as a CFO, she was CFO of the year. She was a CFO of the year in the public sector that won CFO of the year. That means across the board, not only just in a public sector. It was the first time that a public sector CFO came toe-to-toe with the private sector and won. Having worked with Ms. Goma over the past 14 months or so since I took over as DAG, I'm very comfortable with the part that she's playing as a member of my executive. And I'm really appreciative of her effort. And I'm sorry for the head that she have to deal with when this matter went public, questioning her competence and questioning her ability and her qualification. The facts speak for themselves that she is adequately qualified. She might not have applied for the job because she was going for a more senior job relative to the one that she ended up being deployed to. And I do thank AG Tsakani for having appointed her. Uh, let's move to the next one, Adil. The next one is similar, Chair, so I will not spend too much time on it, but this one read, said in June 2021, AG appointed Solisi Hoa as Chief Risk Officer uh, without following proper recruitment procedures. It's a similar thing. Uh, Mr. Sehoa had applied to be head of audit and he did not and was not a successful candidate. Using the same rationale as I've explained before, AG felt that she needed to appoint him for succession planning on this particular role. In the case of Mr. Sehoa, there was no question about his experience. He's a well-experienced person. He's a CA. He's a very reliable member of EXCO. He had the number of years. I think here the concern that was raised by the by the CPO was that um, he did not apply. Our policies allow us to um, deviate. The person who was supposed to document the deviation is the CPO. And that did not happen. When I look into the rationale and look into the opinion, I do agree with the opinion that Mr. Sohoa made the qualification and experience requirement. He also made the recruitment waiver policy requirement for, um, and he's got a, a proven track record. His appointment was therefore not corrupt, unethical, or unprofessional. 
The next one, Chair, regarding the appointment was regarding the business unit leader for communication. This was an outside appointment. The other two were internal people who were already working within the AG. Um, in December 2020, the AG appointed Mr. Harold Maloka to the role of business unit leader for communication. Mr. Maloka did not meet the minimum qualification as per the job advertisement. Chair, the report goes into a lot of details comparing the job requirement and the qualification and experience of uh, Mr. Maloka. It, on the job requirement side from a uh, academic qualification, what was required was a bachelor's degree or a postgraduate diploma in communication or public relations or journalism or public administration. Secondly, there was a requirement to be registered with a professional body. And from an experience perspective, there was a requirement for five to 10 years relevant experience. As you'll have seen in the report, the report did say that Mr. Manoka did not have a bachelor's degree. However, he does have a VETS Business School Management Advanced Program Certificate, which is NQF Level 8, equivalent to an honors degree chair. He is not registered with a relevant with a relevant professional body. However, he's got 20 years experience. He does have vast experience in management and executive roles where he has been a director, chief director, deputy director general in government and also in terms of being a managing director for uh, other private firms. Before I go to the opinion, Chen, I've taken a special interest on this matter because as the DAG, Mr. Maloka now report directly to me. I've had the experience of working with him over the past 14 months. And beside the other direct reports who sit in exco, he's at the business unit leader level, which is not an exco position. Uh, similarly to Adil, who reports directly to me in my portfolio of DAG, he's one of the people that I'm very proud about the work that he's doing. He's an individual that if I was then DAG and I've gone through this process, I would have most likely appointed him based on the experience I've gained with him. The report will clearly indicate that he was recommended uh, without opposition by the panel to appoint him. When I look into this chair and I look into the requirement about the professional body, I suspect it could have been most likely we took job description from our audit site. For the audit side, we do need people to be a member of a professional body, such as SICA or ERBA, because we are auditors. In terms of the communication side, there's no clear indication as to which professional body did we require. So I need to go and look into this as the agent. My assessment is that we might have not applied enough rigor in uh, approving the job description. In the audit side of the business, we are very clear about it because that's our bread and butter. But in the support side, there might be need for us to go back and look into that. And we're going to look into it and come back and report to the audit committee. So the opinion in this case, Chair, does say that Mr. Maloka did not meet the qualification requirement and was not registered with a professional body. His appointment did not meet the requirement, the requirement waiver required. His appointment did not meet legality requirement. Sorry, Chair. Let me say it again. His appointment did not meet the legality requirement. However, there was no evidence that his appointment amounted to corrupt, unethical, and unprofessional behavior. I do need to emphasize that when I spoke to the legal counsel, they explained to me what meeting the legality requirement means. So once you set your job description, 
you need to ensure that you hold everyone accountable to that particular job description. If you do a waiver, you must document your reasons. In this case, Chen, the rationale that was used to shortlist uh, Mr. Maloka has not been documented. Good practice within our office should have dictated that that gets documented and is part of the files that we've got. In this case, it was not done. It's an area that we need to improve on. As the acting chief uh, people's officer, given that our current one is suspended, I'm fulfilling that role. I need to just make sure that we tighten these particular issues. When I tell when I take you through the future steps, I will emphasize what you're going to be doing going forward to ensure that um, any gaps that might have been there, especially around the job descriptions, are properly closed off so that we've got the same rigor that we use for the support as done for the audit business. Adil? Um, I thought I must stop you on this one. Yeah. Uh, you see, while it's fresh, uh, so that if, if there are questions from the member, I do have a question, yeah. um, which would truly assist me. Uh, if, if colleagues want to raise anything from this, uh, as I do, um, on, on my side, uh, is that probably, which is in line with the, uh, legal opinion, mm. that the, these matters, matters of, of recruitment, if you issue a, a published a call for any interested parties in, in a particular position, you can't deviate from it because you might have had denied others who have interest because of that particular prescribed call. And, and therefore, the actual deviation or waiver from there would attract uh, some kind of a challenge, uh, one way uh, or the other. You would know it, uh, you have been involved in audits and all the stuff. So so uh, what the legal opinion uh, begins to uh, realize is that, well, fine, you have the authority uh, uh, to handle these matters because the law, uh, covers you. But while the law covers you, when you do so, you must keep each and every step uh, of the way uh, somewhat documented. Wh- whose responsibility uh, is that? Is that uh, in terms in terms of the recruitment? And uh, secondly, uh, at at what stage of finality? Uh, you see, of that process, you would want to revert back uh, uh, into that factual predetermination that these individuals are supposed to be uh, somewhat like this, because the 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 the, the legal opinion is is saying uh, in your advert you have never stipulated that there, there should be an equivalent. Mm. Uh, uh, you see, which might have been a slip, even at that point, it was if there was an uh, uh, indication of a stated uh, 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 provision that equivalent to this, then your 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 actual judgment would have been well covered 
and there would have been no point in terms of querying uh, substantively legality uh, on the matter. So we, we've, we've, I, I view this personally that uh, it, it is it is though within your purview, uh, uh, you see, and uh, looking into it uh, could be based on uh, hindsight. Uh, uh, in, in saying, probably if we would have done A, B, C, D, E, this wouldn't have landed us into this situation. Uh, do, do you have that kind of an outlook uh, getting there and, and the responsibility uh, there of where does it lie for such in a substantive form? Yeah. I, I, I don't know whether you, 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 you get my point there. Or uh, Matafa? Thank you very much, Chair. No, I think your question is proper. But also, this slide did catch my attention. But how I interpreted it was in line with how we normally account financially. That uh, prescripts will be laid down, but where it is not um, humanly possible or where there are issues of justification, deviations are allowed. But as and when you deviate there must be documented somewhere to be able to indicate why you moved away from what the prescripts would have dictated. So so how I read the presentation and listening to the DAG, speaking about issues that they're going to bring forth in order to tighten this process, is that this allegation has actually brought up new learnings that you would be able to enhance your inner workings. Now, when when you look at the opinion, the opinion speaks to the allegation that is made. And the allegation is very direct, Chair, which is alleging certain unbecoming behavior on the part of the AG. But based on the context that you have put and what I just said now, is that according to the opinion, they do not believe that what happened really satisfied the allegation. So, 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 so the view is that here we can move forward and I would be more interested to understand the new measures that you are going to, to, to put in place. And, and that will also assist in t- for the sake of posterity that whoever then comes after you would be able to know that here there was a gap, but this gap has been closed and has been closed in this particular way. So as much as there was a allegation, as far as the opinion is concerned, it says that the allegation does not pass the test. And, and where I'm sitting chair, I'm, I'm quite satisfied. I'll just wait for the DAG to respond to the direct questions that you have posed. But when I read this, I was, I was quite comfortable that no, no, indeed, as far as uh, deviations are concerned, they are allowed. The only thing that you have raised correctly is that maybe you need to have captured that somewhere so that we are then able to know how did this happen and how do we move forward. I'll pause there, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, for now, I'm still okay, Chairperson. I'm just waiting for them to finalize. Then I will actually wrap it up in the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Honorable Chair, and thanks, uh, Honorable Members, for the question. And you are correct, Chair. So, um, we do not the finding and the procedural flaw that happened. 
And you asked me the question as to whose responsibility was it to document the deviation. That particular role sits squarely within the chief people's officer's domain as the custodian of the recruitment process. And unfortunately, in this case, the deviation was not done. And as honorable member indicate, when they look into the legality, they look into the documents that are available and our policies. And because the reason for the deviation was not documented, that's why the legality part we did not pass. So we are going to ensure that in future, if there's things like this, we do properly document. We do have waivers within the office and the way we go about it, we adequately document our, our waivers and deviation. Um, Chair, in terms of the steps that you're going to be doing around uh, this, that will attend to the HR witnesses that led to this floor, which one of them is just the discipline of documenting this thing. Um, normally, it will not be done by the DAG. The person who's the process owner will normally document that. Then it's going to come to the DAG to be signed off. And the panel should have, in this case, have signed off on that particular one. So they regularize that particular um, matter. Um, my simple understanding of this is that we came short on the documentation side of things. The panel was clear. As indicated, uh, Mr. Maloka scored the highest point in the interview. So the interview process did confirm that he is the right person. Uh, as we mentioned that it, it could be possible that in putting the job description out there, we add in not indicating that this is the key qualification, but something also equivalent would be acceptable. And in the case where we accept an equivalent qualification, we should have adequately documented that. So I bring it down to documentation chair. As auditors, we appreciate that documentation is important. We ask our auditors to do the same thing. We should have done the same thing ourselves to ensure that when someone come and review us, they fully understand the rationale that was applied around this particular matter. As the opinion says, this was not a corrupt, unethical or unprofessional behavior, but we have found one thing on the documentation part of things. And, and uh, even from when, when I read the detail uh, uh, of, of, of the lawyers uh, on, this, on this matter, what was interesting is that the, the documents uh, on the actual scoring and determination uh, of the performance uh, uh, of, of those who were interviewed such document document does exist, and and the actual determination arrived at in terms of who should be appointed. There is an indication that uh, indeed uh, uh, Mr. Maloga scored highly uh, on such a kind of interview, and what what is a, a somewhat uh, not there is on the waiver. Uh, you see. Uh, on the deviation, um, which is a bit emphatic to the fact that if uh, the upkeep of do- documents um, should be realized, uh, you have people who have been assigned that responsibility. And and uh, through that responsibility lying on them, and, and our expectation, my expectation is that um, such individuals must be held liable uh, for such uh, instances uh, of uh, failure or lapse uh, because the realization of such uh, having to fulfill 
uh, the litmus paper test on their overall legality is based on such existence. Uh, you see, you could imagine that uh, someone is not there to explain. Uh, you are no longer there. Uh, you see, and and uh, someone is blamed on this aspect, and and uh, there's no document anywhere uh, which uh, justifies uh, such appointment, and 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 uh, the individual concerned who has been appointed uh, is on an embarrassing uh, state, and 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 as such, uh, it, it 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 becomes an emotive aspect uh, in terms of the individual occupying such a position. And that's why I'm asking the question, who was responsible? Because now it uh, fills into the gap of emotions, individual affected, those we interviewed uh, uh, in uh, the fit for purpose, uh, you see, analysis in terms of your decisions. And uh, then be- this becomes prime. One way or the other, I, I agree with Honourable Matafa that the 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 lawyers um, had to deal with a test as to whether, in terms of the allegation, um, it 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 fits uh, within the unethical conduct, uh, within the corrupt practice, one professional, uh, uh, you see, occurrence uh, the. Lawyers see otherwise, but they have on the factor uh, which leads to legality. And, and, uh, that for the office of the auto general, uh, to be seen into, uh, that angle, uh, we don't have to take it a bit lighter. Uh, was the individual concerned who's supposed to take such a decision? Uh, it's a, it's a matter which uh, becomes primary. Uh, in as far as uh, this uh, a kind of a situation is concerned. It's, it's confirmed that your judgment is based on certain things, and those things uh, ought to have been documented. No documentation around, uh, around such. Um, and and uh, uh, therefore, in your remedy, you, you need to uh, have uh, some kind of a, a focus uh, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that area. Uh, uh, you see, but uh, um, you can proceed. Thank you, Chair. We'll definitely do that. Um, we will ensure that where actions were not being taken, uh, the executives that were supposed to do a job that they did not do, we take appropriate action. Uh, thank you, Chair, for the engagement. I think it was important because it was one of those issues that when you when I look at this report, it was one of the areas of concern that we had to deal with. Um. I think we skipped something here. Um, the interest, I think, just go back. I think the time that we got, have we dealt with the interest? Yes, we don't. With the interest? Oh, yeah, okay, it was there. Okay, great. All right, let's move to the supply chain. Maybe because you're dealing with money. You... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the supply chain matter, the allegation was that the the AG attempted to influence the appointment of a of a of a personal coach in 2021, and the, it says in May 2021, the AG attempted to influence the CPO to appoint a personal coach to assist with the institution's leadership alignment program. And 
the report indicates that the AG found a coach very knowledgeable and experienced who could possibly assist to enhance exco cohesion. And AG shared their thinking with the CPO and uh, and also with myself when I joined in July, but advised us to follow due process. Chair, I can confirm that I took over this process. It was one of the first few initiatives that I took when I became the AG. And it was upon the advice of AG that given the restructuring, it's important to get the ex-core team to re-establish the cohesion. And I oversaw this process. Uh, we did not appoint a personal coach. A different company was uh, appointed that assisted us with this particular matter. The opinion does indicate that there was no evidence that supported the CPO's vision. The AG in sharing her thinking did not commit an act of corruption or unethical nor unprofessional behavior. And since I'm the one who oversaw this process, I can also confirm from my own experience that when she shared with me, it was her own experience and the concerns that given the restructuring, there is a need for an intervention to get the exco team to work as a unit. Uh, so this was unfounded. So, Chair, I'll move to the corrective action at the high level. And uh, we'll spend a lot of time with the audit committee as our oversight body. Uh, we'll spend a lot of hours over weekends. And um, while these are at the high level, we are going to engage with the committee to ensure that the breakdown of those are monitored. And through our reporting mechanism, back to you via the audit committee, that will be done. So our um, uh, overall comment, Chair, is that as an office, uh, we take the outcome of the legal opinion seriously and we are in the process of identifying areas where governance and controls should be tightened. As part of this, there are other areas which are not specific to the allegations, but there is a need for us to look into that. And there will be a report that we're going to issue to audit committee and also ultimately to yourself that will deal with that. This particular plan, Chair, will be time-bound with specific action to address any governance or internal control weaknesses. The plan of action will be shared with the audit committee, as I've mentioned, for comment and tracking. And this will, um, as the audit committee is an oversight body that keeps us honest with any of our action plans, it's going to be something thing that you're going to report as and when we meet with them. And I'm certain that the chair will touch on this, the chair of audit committee, when he gives his report. <laughs> Regarding the, the matter for the interest, Chen, uh, we are going to look into, we're going to investigate and understand how it was paid and, and, and appropriate action will be taken. As the opinion indicated, there was a calculation error on the interest. Um, so that will be dealt with. We spent quite a bit of time, Chair, uh, discussing the issue around the, the appointment, uh, of the head of communication. Um, our understanding as mentioned, there was a procedural flaw in the process of appointing the head of communication, especially on the document, on doing the appropriate documentation. We will attend to the HR management witness that led to this flaw. Among these being the crafting of properly thought of and approved job descriptions in the support side of our business. In the audit side, we feel comfortable that we've got the right job description. In this instance, Chair, we are comfortable that we ended up with the right candidate for the job who was appointed following the normal interview process. However, the documentation of our job description did let us down. I will uh, pause now, Chair, and just take any questions overall. Thank you very much, uh, DAG, AG, uh, for the actual presentation.
Um, you know, I was 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 uh, talking to Mr. Mklaji here. Mr. Mklaji has been here for quite some time uh, as, a, as a content advisor uh, in the committee. The birth of the Public Audit Act uh, came about uh, uh, informing, advising uh, the committees uh, around such aspects. Um, so I was trying to check with him on this matter that relates to uh, salary, benefits, and all the stuff, um, whether uh, these areas that ought to be uh, closed uh, were never foreseen by the committee. He says something which is not far from what, uh, in terms of practice, is um, uh, now being observed. I'm going to give him time at some stage uh, to uh, indicate what what has been there. Uh, probably can do it even before the members could uh, probably reflect on it. Just, just uh, in a in a minute, uh, oh. Mr. Touch. Thanks, sir, and uh, good morning to members and uh, AGNTG and the team. No, what I was trying to explain to the chair is that I remember it was an issue during the appointment of uh, the late Mr. Makoitu as his um, uh, AG. And there was, I think it was section seven, as we, section 10, 7, 7 of the PAD before it was amended that his salary should be uh, in line with the high echelons of, 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 of judiciary. So we did extensive research. What is this benefit and allowance of the, of the, of the high echelon of judicial? We phoned chief, um, um, the chief, uh, chief justice office and we want to get, because there are rumors that chief justice have got a house in the, here in the Cape Town, uh, what about Bishop's Courts, Cape Town, one of the expensive, and then these guys in the justice, they said they don't know about those things. We even went to try to, Align the salary of the AG with the, those high echelon. We went to a sitting actual company. What is that, Sam? Alexander Fobin Jopik. There was a subcommittee on the committee. Uh, the subcommittee was made up of three members and us. And then we went to Alexander Fobin tried to, to ask so that we requested them to assist us to equate this salary. I mean, this allowance and benefit. But in a nutshell, Despite those efforts, we couldn't establish what could be. And then what we did as a committee you now, we said, no, the salary, let us just confirm the salary and leave, as Ruta said, the benefit and allowance should be according to the institutional police. That's what the committee said. But it's what I was saying to Chekuti. I'm not sure now what was the communication thereafter between the speaker and the president, because us as a committee, that's what we are, we 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 resolved. And then that the other allowance and benefit will be in line with the institutional police. But when the writing was made, the communication was, I mean, was, was made between the speaker and the, and the president also, I'm not sure, because the process, I still remember, Mr. Magwadi called us, even called me about that process, because it was delaying. After that, I didn't have, we didn't have any, uh, what do you call it, any, any, any abreast of what the developments with, with regard to that. So, I don't know what happened, but as a committee, this is what we resolved. I still recall very well. So, there's some confirmation, uh, uh, confirmation uh, to, what needs to be done uh, 
going going, going forward and probably to affirm uh, the position. Uh, the intention has been there to deal with these things, but then it might have uh, slipped through the cracks uh, of communication one way or another. It, it is within us, within our power to somewhat uh, find uh, a way of finalization uh, uh, together with yourselves uh, on that matter. Uh, you see, um, colleagues, do you have any question? We're going to allow uh, the uh, chair of the audit uh, after that to give us uh, the view of the committee on these matters. Or do you want to ask questions or to express ourselves after the chairperson? Okay. Chairperson, welcome. Hmm? Oh, the, the the mic the mic on, sir. That's right. That's it. Assist him to adjust it. I beg your pardon, Chair. Okay. I, I haven't done this for a few years because of not being here in person. Um, I'll repeat just for the record uh, that. Uh, first of all, good morning to you, uh, Honourable Chairperson Sonia, and to the Honourable Members of the Standing Committee on the Auditor General, or SCOAC as it's uh, typically called. My name is John Beesman Simmons. I'm the Chairperson of the Audit Committee of uh, Auditor General South Africa. Our committee comprises four members. We have a Deputy Chair, um, Ms. Gretel Matau. She is currently enrolled for uh, time-consuming postgraduate studies at uh, Harvard uh, Business School uh, based in, in the United States and has, uh, has tendered her, her apologies at, 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 the, at the timing of the, this morning's presentation did not fit with, with, with her um, work timetable and particularly with her studies. Uh, another member of the audit committee, Ms. Ms. Carol Ross Kruger. Sadly, she cannot be with us as she's traveling to a, a funeral in the Eastern Cape as, as we speak or as I speak. Um, the, the, the last member of the audit committee is Mr. Cedric Mampuru. He is on the call virtually. Um, he planned to attend in, in person. But air tickets are, as many of you know, a scarce and expensive commodity. So he is wisely elected to join virtually. For for him to have got on a flight, he would have had to, to come down on Wednesday. And he couldn't get a flight back to Johannesburg this afternoon or evening. So he would have come on Wednesday and got back on, on Saturday. And it was agreed that that was... Uh, not, not in anyone's best interest, really. Mm. Um, I was going to ask him to unmute himself and, and switch on his camera, but I don't think that's possible while we have the, the presentation on. But, uh, th th thank you, Cedric, for, for joining us uh, in this meeting. Chair, I want to assure you and, and your committee members that their physical absence today does not in any way diminish their commitment to their oversight role 
in respect of the Auditor General of South Africa. Um, they are highly committed to to, to their, their, their tasks. Uh, the DAG mentioned that we've had a number of meetings, including over, over weekends. Um, they, uh, they're pulling their weight, if I can put it that way, without, without any doubt. Before I get into the detail of, of the report, I want to make a few general remarks. Like, like SCOAG, the audit committee is an oversight body. And we do not get involved in any operational responsibilities, nor should we. Our report to you is based on information supplied to us. So it, it's in, in all respects, it, it's secondhand information. And for that purpose, we, um, we use the word allegedly because we have, we have at this stage no proof of, of, of anything. I'm a chartered accountant by training, but I know from uh, common knowledge, really, that attorneys use allegedly the whole time for very much the same reason. Uh, in no way are we doubting the veracity of any assertions made to us, but equally a, a tenant of the uh, auditing profession is uh, one of professional skepticism so you don't you don't just accept things you you need to interrogate them and and certainly we've we've done that and not blindly reached any of uh, any of the matters I'm going to talk about um turning to the to the presentation and the introduction um a lot of what I'm going to say is is a repeat of what has been covered, and and I will I will make that point and 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 try and keep those parts of of my presentation as as short as possible. The report emerges from information that the deputy auditor general shared with the audit committee. We had a scheduled meeting on the 26th of July to finalise, uh, amongst other things, the the annual financial statements for the year ended 31 March. And, and he asked the committee members to remain after the meeting in camera with no uh, nobody else, just the the DAG and the audit committee members. He briefed us about the the allegations and gave us an assurance that he he was proceeding. Um, he's he was moving forward with us, uh, with it, and would keep us informed as as the matter unfolded. He. I'm, I'm not going to repeat the bit about uh, the, the history of what happened because that has been covered earlier. Um, the Auditor General, as we as we all know, handed the matter over to the DAG for further consideration. I think we used the word she self-reported it um, because the CPO had not followed due process. The you, you, you mentioned, Chair, your, um, the openness and frankness that, that has taken place. And we certainly echo your, your comments in that regard. AGSA prides itself on leading by example. They, they are charged with auditing all the government institutions. And if they imagine if the Auditor General had a qualified audit report. <laughs> they would be the laughing stock of the nation. And here's another example of them wanting to lead by example. The purpose of the report stated very um, succinctly is, is to formally brief you and your committee, uh, Honourable Chairman. 
the, the it, it, it very much looking at the, whether it's corrupt, unethical, or unprofessional. We relied almost exclusively on the on the legal opinion obtained, and we did. We we did actually meet with the with the lawyer himself, the the advocate. I, th- I think that is covered a little bit later on. But just uh, we didn't just read his report and accept it. We spent an hour and a half, I would say it was, I think, on a Saturday morning, and we were very grateful that he cooperated with us. He was in fact on, on vacation in in Europe, so uh, a, a lot of people put a lot of effort and time into into this process. Um, the application policy requirements is, is dealt with in this next slide. The point was made um, that the CPO did not follow due process. And, and of all people not to do that, he's the one who should know it the best. He heads up the people portfolio. Um, and it's been mentioned that he... He also contravened the procedural requirements of the uh, Protection of Disclosures, Disclosures Act, so I'm not going to go further into that. The steps taken by the AG and DAG on this next slide. Uh, the Auditor General immediately notified the DAG of the matter. Uh, I understand that was a telephone call and it was on the same day. She didn't sleep on it. She immediately phoned him and told him what had happened. And then they met two days later to to, uh, discuss it further. And the decision was taken to to appoint a firm of attorneys. And and you've heard that was Bowman's. And that Bowman's, in turn, instructed an advocate to to pursue it further. Uh, My understanding was that you and your committee had the on-site visit in Pretoria and that you were given a formal briefing at, at, at that point. Um, the DAG has kept the audit committee informed of the nature of the independent legal assessment. We have, as, as is indicated, met on a number of occasions and have been well briefed and, and very much open and transparent and frank discussions that have taken place. We we have not got involved, um, certainly not at this stage, and, and may not get involved at all in terms of the investigation into the, um, the conduct of the CPO. That is very much an industrial relations issue, and very few chartered accountants are that well-versed on, on, on those matters, and it, it, it really is a legal issue. Um, so, so we're unlikely to get in, involved in, in that. However, we will be very involved in, in addressing the, the control weaknesses that, that advocate, um, uh, has highlighted. And we do meet, the committee meets on at least three occasions per annum. And what we, what we do, um, at those meetings, we obviously have an annual work plan and we have an, an issue of matters arising and anything that is not cleared, it gets automatically car- carried forward to the next meeting. So until this matter is finally put to bed, the audit committee will remain involved in it and, and will pay particular attention to it 
because of the reputational damage to, to the Auditor General herself and, and to AGSA overall. I've mentioned that we engaged with Advocate Krill and the Auditor General very kindly availed us of, of, um, some time where, where she took us through the process that she, that she told you earlier. We, um, we, we were very grateful to her and, and for her open and frankness, which, uh, which you've all heard about. And in fact, as I said, you, you commented on it earlier. The, um, we, the, the two areas of the nine allegations where there were perhaps weaknesses in the way they were dealt with, the payment of interest and the, um, the appointment of the head of communications, I think have been dealt with in, in sufficient detail that I, so I won't go into, into that any further. Uh, there is, there is an issue, Chair, that is a slight deviation from, from our actual brief, but we have pointed out in the, in the second last bulletproof that we, we have a position right now where the DAG is being forced to make decisions that relate to the AG and the DAG reports to the AG but yet has this power to make decisions. We believe that is, it really needs to be addressed. And I think you hinted at it yourself, but it, um, something needs to be, um, some process we believe needs to be brought into being that, that, uh, that addresses that issue. Um, the AGSA will, will keep this in mind, will follow up, um, and, and no doubt refer back to you because it might actually require, um, an amendment to the BAA or, or some very definite authority to go down a, to go down a, a different route. And to the extent that, um, AGSA wishes for our input, we very, very happy to to do that, Chair. I um, thank you for the time given to us as the as the audit committee, and I am obviously available for for any questions. Uh, that is colleagues. Um, so, so we've gone through the full cycle. Uh, um, and and the, the presence of the audit uh, committee assists um, uh, around these uh, matters, and and um, the the affirmation uh, of the internal control environment uh, is so critical in this instance, and and therefore they remain an institutional mechanism um, to certify. Um, uh, such matters uh, in terms of uh, being attended to um, and, and uh, coming uh, back to us. Uh, because we are dealing with the uh, legal entity and, and uh, uh, which is following the foundations of our own constitution and um, the, from the existence to its own operations, and uh, the, the, the cause uh, of um, having systems 
which are, are going to uh, put it into a high uh, standard uh, in, in terms of uh, filtering uh, our democratic practice. And, and, and therefore, uh, uh, ourselves, we can't slip away uh, uh, fr- from such legal parameters. Um, so that's why in appreciation um, that such openness, which is carried within the internal operational environment, when it comes to us, it doesn't come to us because there's been a force to it to come to us. Um, and, 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 uh, that's why we so appreciate that example. Uh, uh so the exemplary nature, uh, of attending to these aspects guarantees, um, that this institution indeed, um, establishes itself, uh, within the clear parameters of the highest law of the country our constitution and and then assisted by the public audit act so so in, in that in that angle uh, we need to uh, somewhat uh, have our own appreciation uh, voiced out colleagues here you are uh, you have heard the the presentation um it's so detailed um as i said it followed the initial briefing that we received um and and the uh, it seek to say to us, guaranteed, the matters are attended to. Uh, um, otherwise, if that was not the case, uh, that would uh, require our attention uh, fully. Uh, you see, uh, that would have uh, amounting to failure. Uh, of uh, observing your internal uh, control environment. Uh, you know, uh, you might have uh, uh, questions, comments, colleagues, you are free to do so. Can I please touch you? Yes, allowed, uh, Honorable Ranyane. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, first and foremost, we'll just like to thank the report um, that we have received from the Office of the AG. Um, we're very happy with it. We're very happy that when the AG saw the devil in her doorstep, she reacted in a proper and professional manner of making sure that um, she informs um, the deputy AG and then she removes herself from the situation and allows the process um, to run in the way that it has ran. But with that said, uh, Chair, you know what pains me the most? is that as South Africa, we're not looking at what we should be looking at. Today, we're sitting here questioning the credibility of the AG. Instead of actually looking properly, why are we here in the first place? We're here in the first place because there is that devil, that one, that CPO, who actually tried to get monies out of the AG, unlawfully so. The journalists, everybody in this country, nobody is actually looking at the CPO 
Instead, we are here doing a nine step of these are what the CP, the CPO have accused the Auditor General with. She is here trying to clean herself instead of us dealing with exactly why are we here? We are here because there is a man at the office of the AG who wanted to solicitate um, unlawful payments. No one is speaking about that. Che. No one. No one is speaking about this is the reason why we are here. We are speaking about everything else except that man. No one is speaking about the rot that we find in our institutions when we are trying so hard to have the independent institutions to be independent. No one is speaking about the problem which we are facing today. Instead, the AG is now put on trial. The AG is now the one who is being looked at. The AG is, even when they call, they don't ask about this. They ask, what is your opinion about what the AG has been accused? Accused by who? Accused by a man who was trying to say, pay me. Pay me or else. Why are we not looking at that, at that particular problem? Okay. Which is really my serious, serious problem. I've had the presentation. I don't have any issues with it. We have always supported the office of the AG from the beginning, which never happens. You know, we don't really support, but we have supported it from the beginning. And we've always made sure that um, it, we give the necessary support. People's names are being dragged to the mud. Mm. The late AG's name is being dragged mm. to the mud. And I do not understand why, because the, the late AG, Mr. Makwetu, made sure that he served this country with honesty and in um, credibility until the day he passed away. But today we are here questioning him, questioning his contribution to this country. Why? Because there's that devil that no one wants to speak about. No one wants to speak about him to say, we are here today because this man tried to get what was not true to him. Which then brings me to the question of the safety of the office of the AG. Even during the times when Mr. Makwetu was still alive, the issue of the safety of the AG and the people who works for the AG has always been an issue that auditors in South Africa get threatened. We had cases that were brought to, to us as this committee to say we had this incident that have happened and this incident that have happened. And even a person who was, I think if I'm not mistaken, was shot. And to this day, we called SEPS here. We asked SEPS, what are you doing to make sure that you defend the office of the AG? But nothing has happened. But what is happening now was here on a Friday, mind you, being dragged to Parliament, not to deal with the issue of that devil, but to come and question the credibility of a woman who have made sure that she's serving South Africa for how long now? She's being questioned because of that man. Mm -hmm. It is not fair, Chair. It is not fair, Chairperson. And I really think that I really wish in everything that we got today, I was really wanting to know what was going to happen to that devil. The committee, AG, when we're with you in Pretoria, we've said we want a case to be open. Mm. A case must be open. A case of intimidation and a case of solicitation must be open. Mm. Mm. Mm.
and no one is still speaking about it and it's it's it's, it's, it's really honestly chair making me extremely angry because as a nation we're doing typically what we always do Mm. There is an issue of an abuser here, mm. an issue of a thief, an issue of a man who's just should mm. never even work anywhere in South Africa ever again. But no one is looking at that issue. Instead, we're putting a person who was attacked. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Matafa. Thank you very much, Chair. No, I think maybe let me start where you started when you introduced the the topic that it is very rare that a public entity does what uh, the chair of the audit committee mentioned as self-reporting. Because in most cases, uh, matters of such nature are dragged uh, out of those institutions. And, and, and for me, I would want to commend the AG for actually doing what he did and not leaving matters slide and taking them uh, lightly. Firstly, I think maybe I, I, I want to agree with uh, Honorable Sonyana, not necessarily delving into the merits of the case, because I see there are processes that are unfolding. And as the committee, like we indicated when we were in Pretoria, we will give the necessary support to ensure that you do complete your processes and then you can then come back to be able to share with us your findings. So so my, my view, Chair, is that here we are dealing with a matter of extortion uh, that went wrong. Uh, went wrong in a sense that uh, the person who was supposed to be intimidated did not bite, uh, did not take the bite. So, so I think for that as well, we would want to commend the AG for standing her ground but most importantly, to put herself to scrutiny because immediately she removes herself from the platform and says, DAG, here's a matter. It involves me. Please investigate and does not give limitations or limits and, and parameters as to how far they can go. It clearly means indeed that they do take the issues of accountability very seriously. So from where we're sitting, DAG, uh, through you, Chair, you, you have two processes. One, that deals with the conduct of the CPO. It is unfolding, as we indicated, that probably by next week there will be a sitting. The, the, the second part is the one that you are reporting on, where allegations are made against the AG herself. And, and, and you support that with the opinions that are crafted by a law firm. And not just an ordinary law firm chair. Uh, we have had many interactions with Bowman's. It's a reputable law firm. It has extensive uh, experience in the public space. So uh, from where we are sitting also, it shows that the office of the AG and the AG herself is not scared, scared of uh, uh, scrutiny. So, so that process is, 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 is unfolding. Legal opinions have been given. You have identified learnings. I would request, Chair, that with the identified learnings and corrective measures, maybe a report be drafted to this committee that those uh, particular areas that you're going to improve in terms of your internal operations are shared with us so that in future we are also able to monitor uh, compliance going forward because it will be an anomaly and I don't think that it will happen given 
the, the, the presentation that a situation where you have identified a learning real case when there are measures that you yourself have identified as, 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 as corrective measures. So it's just a request, Chair, that maybe we, we received that, 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 that report. Uh, the proactive nature is, is, is welcome. The involvement of other stakeholders, uh, because not only did the AG involve the DAG, but he also involved the remuneration committee and the audit committee. Uh, that, that, that is commendable. Maybe, Chair, in closing, I, I would say the following. There, there are areas that we think do not fall within our mandate as COEC from where I'm sitting. And, and, and we'll want to allow you the space to conclude on those matters. But where there are issues of lawmaking requirements on law amendments, the chair touched on the issue of remuneration of the AG and, and, and any other matter that will require attention of the SCOEC. I would also suggest, Chair, that those particular issues, uh, Mr. Mklaji and the DAG assist us in order to compress them into a readable paper that we are able then to take forward to our legal unit in Parliament to be able to guide us how best to respond to these issues. Because from where I'm sitting, I suspect that there will be areas that escoic, we might need to make a pronouncement, but we would, it will serve us best if we are able to receive the necessary legal advice on how best to respond to these issues. And, and I think the chairperson will be capable of uh, issuing a statement in that regard in terms of how then do we move forward. I also found slide nine very uh, telling where you are actually indicating the areas where you have to consult, where you have to seek permission, where you have to seek concurrence, where you have to advise COEC. So I think that also puts the whole picture into a very uh, nice and consumable uh, 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 size. So, Chair, I will, I will, I will pause there to say that, uh, thank you for the presentation and, and, and the feedback. It, it really assists and at least we'll be able to respond to issues as they are raised, whether in the public domain or in parliament. Uh, there were, there were issues of media reports and I agree with Honorable Sonyan that we have a culture of reporting at face value, but we do not necessarily go deeper into what led to where we are. Maybe it's it's obviously the issue of um, bad news selling. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think that uh, the report today really clarifies many issues that we have noted. Chair, let me let me pause there, and thank then you. I'll thank you for the opportunity to participate in this meeting. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. I was advised earlier on that Honourable Singh um, would be somewhere um, because there's somewhere in in Houghton. Um, I don't know whether they, they had problems in terms of connection. Um, um, nevertheless, I think uh, colleagues have expressed themselves on these uh, uh, matters. Something which, uh, from the onset, um, was struck by the fact that the um, the actual uh, encouragement um, from the word go. To report and report and report uh, was very very uh, encouraging uh, uh, to us. It's 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 somewhat a bit rare 
um, that would find such a, a a kind of a of a situation. So um, I've I've listened to the AG um, when she spoke passionately um, about um, uh, uh, her attitude uh, in uh, dealing with her work and keeping the standards, keeping the values of the constitution uh, driven by purpose and, and uh, upholding uh, the critical principles uh, of uh, ethical conduct. That is um, a very, very uh, critical uh, for us as a guarantee um, of an office which ought to live, to be trusted, uh, to carry uh, its own work um, within the confines um, of the constitution of the Republic of South Africa. So so we really appreciate that fact. So I think uh, uh, we really need to pronounce clearly on that uh, uh, matter. Uh, secondly, uh, is that uh, hearing uh, Honorable Shonyan, who herself has expressed uh, in a very emotive way um, how uh, she uh, felt about what has happened. Uh, you see, I'm sure it's driven by the fact that you had a, a woman in her office uh, trusting an employee for a meeting in an objective way, which ended up being a, confront- a confrontational exercise. And, and uh, itself bordering on safety uh, of the Auditor General uh, into um, uh, having to uh, travel through uh, such a kind of a so-called uh, meeting. Uh, um, less in, in our own assessment, um, we have a guarantee uh, into a process which has been highlighted, which is taking place from the 21st going forward in terms of the disciplinary process. Uh, otherwise, we would have had to express ourselves in an objective way on those matters. So lest uh, we muddy um, uh, waters, uh, we leave that exercise uh, in trust uh, into your internal control environment. The third... Uh, the fourth angle is the angle that relates to how your institutions um, have collectively, uh, because in terms of a uh, public audit act, they are clearly defined areas which got into various hands in dealing with matters. Um, and, and in appreciation, the chair of the audit committee um, how you yourselves and your team have uh, handled the matters and provide this kind uh, of a report uh, to us. In trust, we give it over to yourselves to finalize every processes. I think an expression which has been made uh, that do so and uh, detail those areas based uh, on the recommendations uh, by the in- independent uh, firm, um, which need to be attended to, and and uh, our team, uh, in, in in terms of the content advisor, 
could be uh, uh, interacted with uh, on some of those matters with reference uh, to ourselves so that we can see which are those areas. You are coming back uh, when you're going to table your annual uh, report. Maybe at that time, you might be at least first on which are those areas and bring forth uh, some uh, of those uh, areas. It has been uh, our attitude that these matters must be brought forward for them to be finalized. It's no uh, justice or justification to have matters hanging for long, more so when they refer to an institution, an institution which ought to uphold the highest value uh, of the land uh, in terms of the performance of its own task. Your responsibility is onerous, and therefore uh, it ought at all times be well covered uh, uh, in uh, the bowl uh, of ethics and uh, uh, uphold uh, the highest standard so that uh, no one in the land uh, would want to have a referral when they fail to do what is right, and that even yourselves, you are as we are. So we are really grateful that you have come up to this uh, position, and we really appreciate um, your your attendance. Because I've, I've looked into the Public Audit Act, um, each and every step there, uh, even the report of the lawyers, they attest to. Uh, some observation and the slip uh, towards certain angles is not necessarily based in doing bad, is based on doing good. Uh, so go back, look into those areas, advise us appropriately. We will as well look into uh, such instances and have a finality uh, on those. To close the loop, we say um, your conduct has made us to have and project full trust on the body of the Office of the Auditor General uh, based on how this matter has been handled. So our full trust still remain uh, going forward in the fulfillment uh, of the key objective as outlined in the Public Audit Act uh, of uh, ensuring that you operate independently and we've shown it in this environment and that uh, we assure your secure environment in doing your work without fear, without favor, and you are covered through your own conduct. So so, so we dearly uh, want to express how we so appreciate the way you have handled uh, this matter. It's a very difficult one because it was a bit personal. I've read the statements uh, which have come up with two the accusations. The last paragraph on that uh, actual piece of paper uh, becomes so personal, uh, such that uh, the AG herself, let alone the office, uh, would have been made to shiver uh, one way or the other, but I leave all those kinds of things into your own processes uh, to deal 
uh, uh, with them. Um, if I were to allow to around the meeting in that way, I would give you a minute, uh, AG, a minute each, a minute each, so that I can close the meeting. Uh, I would uh, therefore want to start with the chairperson of the audit committee. Your, your record. Thank you, partner. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I, I really would reiterate your comments saying that as, as the audit committee, we, we really salute, um, the AG and the DAG for, for their self-reporting and their, and their follow-up. As, as you say, it's not, uh, it's not that common. It's not that common. Things get swept under the carpet and all sorts of excuses are made when it does come out. So it's, um, it's very reassuring to us as, as the audit committee. And we also thank you and your committee for, um, for allowing us to, to give feedback to you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, DJ. Thank you, Chair. Just to thank the committee for the support and the audit committee for their support. They've been fairly busy working over weekends. We take the comments regarding taking things forward with the reports that needs to be uh, tabled. We are going to conclude the other matters that are currently still happening within the office. And with the remaining of my minute, I'd like to give it back to AG to just give us a closing remarks, Chair. Okay. AG. Thank you very much, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members, and thank you for the opportunity to share this this story with you. Um, it's been a, a difficult saga to contend with, um, but I suppose one rests on a few things that make up the office, the principles for which we stand, um, the things I've learned from AGs that have come and gone, um, the formidable teenage essay that I'm proud to work with, um, the strength of our governance systems, um, notably the audit committee, um, the work that the DAG and his executive do, and of course, the support and guidance from our oversight mechanism that you've been able to avail yourselves to have this frank dialogue, to even have this extraordinary meeting um, in, in relation to a matter that's completely unprecedented, speaks tremendous volumes about your commitment to fulfill your own constitutional requirements in terms of supporting and protecting the office. As for me and the team I lead, we continue to do the work we're charged with. In the midst of the storm, that's what holds us together, a recognition of what we stand for and what we're charged with doing for the benefit of our democracy and for the people that we're here to serve. So thank you very much for this opportunity and thank you for your support. Thank you. Um, on behalf of uh, uh, the committee, I would um, take time to meet with the Makwetu family, specifically Mrs. Makwetu, uh, because to find uh, literally uh, a dead man's, uh, you see, name uh, flying through in our language, we would say, uh, we find these kinds of things. It's really hurting. So we'll, we'll, we'll give ourselves time to meet with her in in solidarity um with the family and and um, uh, uh, further uh, comfort them uh, that the matters are in good hands uh, so that uh, we uh, solidify uh, the fact uh, of the matter uh, that uh, whatever he did for the country uh, in service whatever he did uh, for the institutions uh, 
um, in, in terms of accountability uh, is still well appreciated. Uh, so thank you very much for making a chance. Thank you. Chairperson, uh, it's Peter Paul online. Oh, Peter Paul. <laughs> the call never. Okay. Yeah, no, I understand what you're going to say. Oh, by the way, <laughs> we're going to deal with one one issue uh, which we must finalize. No, uh, that's fine, Chair. No, that we okay. can leave that for the next time. In any case, I think we're going to struggle with Koran right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll schedule yeah, it for fine. the next meeting. No, great. Uh, you, for that matter, we can deal with it and then round robin. Mm. Uh, if if there are any no, are there any key substantive? No, there are none. There are none. We can organize maybe virtual meeting. Okay. Okay. No, no, fine. Yeah. Uh, the meeting adjourns. Thank you, sir. In Dongo. Johnny, go. I have an opinion because an opinion that I want to. What if they think they just look at the regulation in this manner of salary benefits of the region, given that it's provided instead of leaving it in the institutional policies, they, they look at the regulation because the regulation will give, will address the process how to go about. Uh, uh, yeah, we've set up the process that uh, the content advisor and, and uh, the office uh, of the Auditor General, which is not excluding you uh, as a researcher, uh, you see, would work on those uh, uh, instances. So, so it's not a matter lost. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I said. No. I- Okay, fine. The meeting adjourns.